0: In this episode, we talk to Barry Frakes from Australian Family Lawyers about what can go wrong when you borrow money from the bank of mum and dad. Welcome to Your First Home Buyer Guide, the podcast for first home buyers who want to get it right.
1: I'm Megan and that was Veronica. We're both buyers, agents and probably old enough to be your mums. But that's a good thing because between us, we've got over 40 years experience and we are going to share with you bucket loads of stories about avoidable mistakes together we're going to make sure that you get unbiased and real information that you can rely on so you can get where you want to be without missing a step now we've got loads of great
0: tips for you in this episode and if you'd like more useful tools head over to the website homebuyeracademy.com.au. There you'll find free checklists that you can download, a free mini course on how to price a property, and our where to buy a workshop for only $39.
1: Priceless stuff, really. Bargain. But before we get into the interesting stuff in this week's episode, here's the boring bit, the disclaimer. You of course know that nothing in this podcast is to be taken as personal advice. We always recommend getting the advice of an expert in their field of expertise. Now, we've done our very best to ensure that the content is correct at the time of recording, but things change. So check with the relevant government authority or your advisors to get the most up-to-date information. mum and dad is now the ninth largest lender of money in Australia who knew that could actually happen and it's largely because first home buyers are looking for ways to get into the market quicker than if they had to actually save you know and just bash away at getting that money in the bank now how do you set up this kind of arrangement this borrowing from mum and dad and and what are the sorts of things that can go wrong how do you make sure you don't end up um, exposing your parents to a situation where they have to sell their home so we've got Barry Frakes today and Barry is a specialist in this area I am so excited because when I bought my first home I used the bank of mum and dad as the equity to help me get into my first home now that was back in 1998 um, and things have changed a lot now Barry welcome to the show this is going to be a cracker thank you Good to be here. so yeah. Barry, I guess the first thing that I'm really interested in finding out is, you know, the Bank of Mum and Dad, it's a really cool catchphrase, but what actually is it? What are the options?
2: Well, obviously the goal is to get into that first home. Are you borrowing from your mum and dad? Are they making a gift to you? You have to be clear about it. Um, then where's that money going? Is it all going into a home? Are you using it for something else as well? Maybe they're paying for the wedding as well. Maybe they're paying for your honeymoon. Um, it's interesting the wide variety of arrangements families enter into. Sometimes too, it might well be, well, part of it's for the home, but part of it's to start that brand new small uh-huh. business I want to start. And so you've got to be clear about a whole bunch of things when you're saying, Mum and dad, can I borrow some money? Do they expect it back? Are they are you y- gonna oh, make good repayments? Point. So- uh, is paying it back at the end. There's a whole bunch of things that we can work through now in this meeting as to the kinds of questions mm. you need to ask yourself before you go a mum and dad and say, can I, can I borrow some money? Uh, you're going to have to talk about with them a whole range of things and make sure there's clear for a whole bunch of reasons, which right. I'll let's, make clear let's later. Let's try
1: and do a case study sort of the approach. Or, of- oh, Veronica, do you want to jump in there? I'm going to jump in only
0: because I've just remembered something, right? And this is a story about me and i totally had forgotten about this okay so way back when before i i'd actually bought my first property but then i wanted to set up a business and i didn't have enough equity in my property to go to the bank and have them lend me money to set up this business so i went to my parents and i asked them to go guarantor and so what they did they took out a small mortgage on their home and i used that money and i paid it back over time um so that I could set up the business. And so ultimately the business was terrible. And it's actually what got me into real estate anyway, because I needed to then earn some money to pay it back. But, and I did pay it back, but we didn't have any agreements. I had a brother and a sister that might've got really narky if if I had um, defaulted. I certainly, I could have defaulted and it was all their responsibility, right? And then I put their home at risk and and their Mm -hmm. livelihood at risk. So, I mean, my parents were very trusting, obviously allowing me to do that, but honestly, I'd totally forgotten that I even did that until we had this conversation, right? So, this is fantastic because my parents dodged a bullet. Lucky I'm an honorable person, right? <laughs> That's and right. Yes. Um, <laughs> so I think this is going to be a fantastic um, conversation because the Bank of Mum is that isn't just cash, it can That's also right. be access to the equity that they've got in their home. So please, as, as Megan said, a, sim- a systematic way to go through this would be fantastic. But I just wanted to put some context there. If you want a case study, <laughs> there's my one for you. Yeah.
2: Well, can I, can I just say, let's start with the simplest thing. And then we can get to the more complicated because, gosh, these things. I bet there's lots of layers
1: and lots of agreements. And one of the
2: other problems too is that it it, then it changes over time. Okay, it was firstly for this, then it became for that, etc., etc. So let's just start with keep it. Can I throw it out there? start with, and then we can look at how it might be different.
1: Let's start with a single person. Let's call her Joan. So Joan is single. She has a good job. She saved a little bit of money. The market is starting to rise and she's having a conversation with mum and dad. I don't know how to save quicker. Um, I know you've got some money. Can we talk about whether I can have some of that money? What what sorts of things would you recommend or, what, you know, that's the start of the conversation. Where to from there? What sort of discussions should Joan have with her parents? What sort of things should her parents think about? Um, and, of course, we're talking about someone who's single who may partner up in the future. So there's exactly. kind of this knock-on complexity exactly. that might might happen down the, the track. So what, what should they talk about? What should they think about? What...
2: Okay. First of all, the thing is, Mum and Dad, is this going to be a gift? That's a good question. Should they talk about that? That's that's the first question. Well, Mm. it's got to be clear. If you leave it up in the air, um, then there'll be problems down the track, which I'll cover later, if ever anything gets to a court case about anything. So the single person saying, all right, I want to start up, I I, I want the deposit or I want bulk of it. Maybe instead of going to the bank, I want to borrow it all from Mum and Dad. Mum and dad are pretty well off. I'd rather pay them interest than the bank. Um, Maybe it might be a bit more flexible in terms of repayments, but I'm going to borrow the money from mum and dad. If that's the deal, then what they should do is enter into a contract because what is a mortgage? A mortgage is is a loan that is secured by a security against the home, which is a mortgage. Now, we sort of mix that all together, but at law there's a loan account and it's secured by a mortgage. And you can have a number of loans with a bank or somebody else, but it's all secured by that one mortgage, Yep. if you follow me. Yeah. So I would sit with mum and dad and say, I'm borrowing this money. Let's talk about the terms. Let's talk about the interest rate. Mum and dad might say, no, 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 you don't need to pay me interest. And they might regret that later on. (laughs) Um, But let's say, for instance, you're going to borrow $100,000 and – Uh, mum and dad are handing that money over at the completion. What mum and dad need to have and what the young person needs is that contract of the loan that says exactly what the terms of the agreement are, when it's to be repaid, whether repayments are required. When you do it, whilst um, a little bit of flexibility is allowed, you really should stick to it. So if you're going to say, I'm going to make repayments, then you should make repayments, you know. treat Treat it like the bank. And when you enter into the loan agreement and the mortgage and the mortgage is secured against the title, then mum and dad are protected just like a bank. So if something goes wrong, if the business goes bust or dreadful things happen like a COVID lockdown and the business goes bust or you lose your job and the house gets sold, mum and dad get paid first. And it's a pretty important part of it. If if mum and dad are using their retirement savings to really help you out, then they don't want that to be risked because they need that money back. Put yourself in the shoes of mum and dad. You've helped out your, your son or your daughter and they've bought that house, but then they go off and decide to start a business and you've got nothing to do with the business and the loan had nothing to do with the business, but unfortunately the business goes bust. If all the creditors then turn up, they're going to look for the one piece of, uh, real estate that you've got and they say we want to be paid first and then mum and dad because they don't have a loan or a mortgage account mm-hmm. they're going to come last or they're only going to get a few cents in the dollar they're at risk they're not mm-hmm. a primary creditor and the important thing is you do it at the time because if you try to scramble around and do it when the disaster's hitting all those creditors are going to say this is a sham this person shouldn't come before us they should stand in the queue like the rest of us, only get three wow. or four cents in the dollar. So it's really important that people understand how the business world works. Being a secured creditor is so critical.
1: So is that? Can I just clarify?
2: Okay. So even <laughs> if there weren't, even if there weren't to be repayments, and you're only going to get paid at the end or at call, um, if you're secured, then you're a creditor. That is a secured creditor, and you don't you, you come first when that house gets sold.
0: This is fantastic. You know, we have a course, anyone who's listening to this who hasn't done the course, it's called Your First Home Buy Guide and it's 10 steps. It's called the PACE system over 10 steps, right? The first step is to line up your support crew. And this is one of those really important things. Like, Listen to this if you're considering um, going to the bank of mum, dad, because this is the step one before you go out looking at property, (laughs) before any of that stuff happens, to actually get things in the right order. And I love the fact that you said, you know, very clearly, get this organised before the shit hits a fan, basically, because... (laughs) You know, and also because yeah. with any co-ownership agreement or with any cohabitation agreement even or a, a prenup well, or any of those business uh, agreements, you set up, you know, when things are rosy, have a time to
1: agree on what yeah, you're going to do with yeah, the yeah. ship. Yeah. Barry, this sounds incredibly complex. Is there a systematic process that people should go through here? Uh,
2: yeah, that's right. We're trying to make it as simple as we can because you can overcomplicate it, but if you miss parts, you can muck up the whole thing. We Mm. don't want that. We want this to not be a point of conflict. You're going to be family forever, Mm. and you don't want families to fall apart. I mean, I'm a specialist family lawyer. This is what I do is looking at how families fall apart and in high-conflict situations, they get into litigation and it mucks up a lot of different things, Mm. and also litigation between parents and children, and we don't want that. Yeah. We don't want that. This is a preventative measure. It's avoidable. So isn't it?
0: It's yeah. entirely avoidable mm, because
2: yeah. thousands of people do it well and it's only a few that get it wrong. But when it goes wrong, it goes badly wrong. Yeah. And but so, when it
0: goes wrong, you, you must make heaps of money. So, like, why you want to make it simple
2: for
0: people? No, no,
2: we're in this business so that people have um, as l- little conflict in their life and keep things simple. Um, being able to um, not be frozen in fear that things will go wrong. We want people to have successful relationships and we're there if people don't have successful relationships to hopefully get them through a mediation or a a process where they can agree and have the, the best breakup they can. Mm. But we and don't want people to break earlier, up with their
1: parents. Yes. As you said earlier, if you can have those hard conversations when you still like each other That's right. and That's talk right. things through, then when we, when the head you know, crunch the comes, you, yeah, you go, well, remember, been, we talked about it and we agreed. And
2: indeed, there's something formal about it because, um, as I say, it's a bit like the layers of an onion. The first thing is, so what is your agreement? We turn that into a formal loan agreement that meets all the criteria so that from a business perspective, from the world's perspective, this is a legitimate agreement that is not going to be set aside by some judge who says, this is too vague, people aren't complying with it, why should I enforce this agreement? Mm. And by taking a mortgage and you're secured on title, then the the creditor, that is mum and dad, who put their money into this place, they'll get paid when that house solds first. And then the other yep. creditors can all line up you can imagine how awful say- it would be yep. if all of a sudden you'd borrow money from mum and dad covid's destroyed your business and all of a sudden mum's retirement safe was to all these other creditors
0: mm, mm.
2: when mum and dad could say no we've given this to you this is your start in life disasters happen it's not your fault but at least we get that money back mm, mm. and i think that's the kind of relationship so that when the disaster comes mum and dad are okay And then maybe when the disaster's passed and you're ready to rebuild again, because you're a good borrower who always pays, they might make another loan to you.
1: Yeah.
2: And so you don't have those family frictions.
1: Barry, can I circle back to the mortgage? Yep. Are you so you've suggested that that they are um, on title as as a lender, but yes. they wouldn't be the first mortgagee.
2: Depends. Major? So would if you be, borrowed hundred percent, if you've borrowed hundred percent from mum and dad, mm. and you're not involving a bank, then they'll be the first mortgagee. Mm.
1: Yeah, the registered mortgagee. Yep.
2: If they, if say for instance you're borrowing seventy uh, percent from the bank and twenty percent from mum and dad because you've only got ten percent and the bank wouldn't lend you more than 70%, mm. then you probably have to negotiate with the bank saying, all right, um, you've got the first mortgage for the first 70%, mum and dad have got the second mortgage for the the next uh, 20%, and obviously I've got the 10% deposit. Mm. Yep. That might be the structure, and you have to be aware sometimes the banks are not real keen on there being your second mortgage. Mm. That might be mm. one of the things you have to sort out while you're organising mm. finance.
1: So that should the be the The kind of thing that
2: can we can see happen is, say, for instance, you get a bank approval for, you know, let's say you've got a bank approval for $500,000 and you go to that auction and the auction starts going in the direction you weren't anticipating and you need another $50,000 or another $100,000 that the bank hasn't approved for you. And you turn to Dad and say, Dad, can you help? And Dad says, yes, I will. Okay, put the bid up. You win the bid, but now you need <laughs> mum and dad to give you that extra 50000 That's when they're going to be a second mortgagee. And you need to talk to your lender about how do you feel about that. You explain the situation. All right, you've gone this far um, because the bank comes first. And yes, mum and dad are then in the situation where I'll come second to the bank, but it's still better than being an unsecured creditor. <laughs> there are some banks that don't like that. So you need to shop around. You might also think that, well, do mum and dad need a mortgage? Maybe they could be secured by caveat. And we can set up agreements where the loan says, I grant a thing called a charge, and then you can secure the charge via a caveat. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you get around the resistance of the bank that way. But the best thing is to actually have the bank acknowledge that, of course, this is you know pretty standard. Um,
1: and, and I can just say, Veronica... the kind of detail
2: you need to go to.
1: I can see Veronica shifting in her chair there going, yes, but they've done the course and they've read the book, so they haven't gone over their limit at the auction. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, but it was a great example. But, but in this happen. environment,
2: in this environment, it happens.
1: Well, I've and got And maybe, yeah. maybe it's a
2: lazy $20,000.
0: Maybe it's a lazy
2: 30000 rather than 400000
0: I mean, <laughs> I've know? got clients that, that you know, we, who are borrowing or well, spending multi-million dollars on property and, and I've got some Doctors, for instance, doc, quite this quite often, often happens with doctors. They've got good jobs, and then they've suddenly specialised, for instance, and they might have really good incomes. But because for years they've earned like half of what they're earning now, their, their savings aren't really quite up to where their mm. capacity is in terms of a borrowing sense. And so sometimes there's a shortfall, and you know, quite often they will they will actually go to their parents to help them. And and you'd imagine they'd be able to pay it back quite quickly, but what it, it it's very very common actually to in the moment in sydney because the prices are rising so high mm-hmm. and so therefore people would go over their limit in terms of their mm. borrowing limit but they've got capacity but the thing is here you'd really need a very good mortgage broker wouldn't you because that broker is the one that's really going to be mm-hmm. doing this negotiating with the banks i presume or well, putting your right. case forward to the banks yes, mm. that's
2: right so some banks are very conservative and don't like this idea of a second mortgage Um, They've also got all the lending requirements that have been imposed by the Reserve Bank and that, et cetera, as to what are the limits on lending as to affordable lending. Um, And that's why they're pretty much against people who have to borrow 100% of an asset. Mm -hmm. Um, They've they've got all those lending rules they have to comply with. So you're right. People should only bid what they could afford. (laughs) Um, But if they need mum and dad or if mum and dad is bank number one, um, then they need to be secured by a proper loan agreement and a, and a, a proper um, a proper mortgage so that that's important against other creditors. Now, you mentioned before this young person is single and mm. they might enter into a relationship and they don't have to get married. It might be a de facto relationship, mm-hmm. okay? And that person comes along later on and maybe they might start helping with paying the mortgage, okay? But wise like- people would be transparent <laughs> with their partner.
0: And that I complicates it, it too, is doesn't the it? Situation.
2: It certainly does, but yeah. it's, it's, it's forever been thus. Hmm. And so when people meet and fall in love and move in together, um, then um, a, a person might say, all right, well, now I've got to figure out, well, this person's in my life. They're making a contribution to my life. They might also be making a contribution to this property. Um, you might think it's prudent to enter into a binding financial agreement, which is a prenup. And you can do it before you get together, Mm. sort of like a thing you do beforehand. The law also lets you do it while you're together. And there are some people who do a binding financial agreement, a bit like a prenup but while you're married, and then update it as things change. Mm. For instance, entrepreneurs who are um, uh, very uh, ready to start up businesses and chop and change, sometimes they might need to update their binding financial agreement, their prenuptial mm-hmm. agreement, mm-hmm. because things have changed. Mm. Or uh, children. Uh, children. Yeah. yeah. Uh, most of the time we family lawyers draft quality binding financial agreements that anticipate children.
0: Okay. okay.
2: But um, particularly when we're talking about, so what's my relationship with mum and dad and the mum and dad loan? If mum and dad's like a bank and they've got a loan agreement and a mortgage document, it's all existed before the relationship and it's Mm, disclosed, mm. then the new partner can't suggest, oh, this is a surprise. I didn't know about this. This is rubbish. What's that about? All of a sudden, uh, you're coming up with this thing, you, oh, mum and dad, I thought it was a gift. (laughs) And so by doing the loan agreement, by doing the mortgage, even if you don't do a binding financial agreement, you don't have the problem of the uncertainty that comes with, say, just a handshake deal. Now, I have a a current example of that. I act for a a, a lady who's in her 70s. Her son is an entrepreneur. He was married to a banker. And basically, they were wanting to speculate and do some developments in the very, very wealthy suburb of Bosman. My client loaned $1 million. And they did it all via emails, just sending emails backwards, forwards between herself and her son saying, don't forget, this is a loan. Mm. and unfortunately it never turned into a loan agreement. She never took security, and then unfortunately their relationship broke down, and unfortunately there's a family court case that's going for three or four years, and I'm finally getting a hearing date in March. My client's $1 million is now sitting in a trust account waiting for that determination to occur, but the wife is saying, "Um, no, that was a gift, not a loan. Mum doesn't get it back, and... We're going to have a court case together. Oh,
0: and yes, this has cost a my shine, client
2: $100,000 $100 in legal fees to oh. get her million dollars back. Mm. And Goodness. one of the issues is always about, so what were the terms of the agreement? Mm. When were you supposed to get paid back? What were the repayments, etc., etc.? Mm. And what about all the other loans that she might have given him mm. about other things? Because he was in business and mm. kept tapping on his shoulder saying, Mum, I need some cash. Um where does that fit with this loan? So, I can tell you as a worked example right now. I'm running a case which has cost my client at least hundred thousand. It's probably going to cost her another fifty thousand dollars. Where I'm defending that agreement, and some might say, well, should she come before the wife? Um, should the wife get her share first, then he pay her back? And all those things are purely because they did it on a handshake with a few emails, that's it, with enormous amounts of uncertainty, which we've done our best to protect because clearly that's where the money came from, and mm. it's not even contested that's where the money came from. We've mm. proven where the money came from. It went mm. into the building. It went into the properties, and that's not in context. It's is it a gift or is it a loan? What are the terms? And you don't want that uncertainty. That's where families fall apart. If it was a gift, you've given it. They can they can do what they want with it. But if it's a loan and you want to be paid, paid back, And if you want to make sure that you don't let your mum down by saying, well, mum, thanks for that million dollars, but I've blown it. Mm. Everybody else has got it. You don't get yours back. Can you imagine how that ruptures that long-term relationship?
1: Oh, absolutely! It's yeah, just yeah. terrible. Even smaller amounts. I mean, Barry, a lot of these, a lot of the first-time buyers will be listening to this podcast. They're not going to be talking about getting a million dollars from That's their parents. Right. They're going to be talking about ten or twenty or fifty thousand dollars. And it hurts 000, the same.
2: And it, but hurts, it hurts the, the same. same.
1: <laughs> yes. Okay.
2: And indeed, for people who don't have a lot, you know, it's it hurts more. It hurts more. Yes.
1: Yeah. But also, it's, it's also it's the pain
2: of you know, grandma doesn't get to see the kids at Christmas. Oh, Why? yeah.
0: And it's given in good mm. faith, too, and that's, that's exactly. the hardest thing. And mm. they go, oh, well, that's mm. not complicated by making it all formal. It's like, yeah. hey, we trust each other. But what, <laughs> but what? that's I'm-
2: not to say also that this couple, they've still got a lot of money.
0: Yeah. It's What's not as yeah. if they're broke. What's yeah. the context here, though? The you know, like, for instance, it's costing this woman, you know, potentially $150,000 in legal fees to actually get back what was a, gi- a loan. Sorry, not a gift. Um, <laughs> uh, and what would it have cost? Just proportionately, you know, p- what probably would it have cost to actually put the agreement in place and maybe a mortgage and all that sort of stuff? What's, what's that likely cost?
2: Okay. So had she come to me and said, I want to make a loan to my son and daughter-in-law, I would have insisted we are going to do a loan agreement, we're going to do a mortgage agreement.
0: Mm.
2: Now, the nature of this investment was large and complex. Mm. And so I'm not exactly sure what we would have charged to draft the loan and the mortgage. But if we kept it simple, we could get the whole thing in place for $10,000.
0: Yeah, a fraction.
2: For the, the lender's side of the equation. And then obviously the borrowers have their legal costs because as you're dealing with the, with the bank, mm. um, then you've, you've got to have the independent legal advice, you've got to have the contractual work. Now, in this particular case, that negotiation of the loan agreement may have been quite controversial because of nature of conflict between the parties. So I'm not going to say, oh, this is a blanket thing, it only costs you $10,000. Mm. But if it was simple mm. and clear and everybody was on the same page, yep, that wouldn't be hard. The, the amount borrowed isn't really the function. It's the nature of the agreement mm, and the mm. security given. Because here's the next part. Um, they were basically knocking down and redeveloping. So you've got to be confident about land mm. values. I would have told her to exercise far more diligence. Mm. Uh, now, yeah. the good thing was, yeah, it was property in went, went through the roof. There was a good investment. They made money. Mm. Just that she can't get it when she wanted it. Mm. And it was unclear as to the date, as to when it was going to come. So mm. um, I, I would like to think that we could in, in look after most clients for around about the $10,000 mark to make sure mm-hmm. it's all nice and clear. Now, if you're only lending 20000 people aren't going to want to necessarily spend $10,000. So mm. obviously we try to make sure that it's as efficient as possible. But the more complicated you make it, the more expensive it is. For instance, are we going to roll this loan over to the next house you buy? That is... <laughs> You know, um, you've bought this house and you've borrowed the $150,000 and you're not making repayments because you're paying off the, the first mortgage first and then you'll get to mum and dad later. Then the place goes up and you say, right, I want to upgrade to the next home I've now got three kids instead of being a, a bachelor in an apartment. I'm buying a home with three bedrooms and a yard. Um, I'm going up to the next step and I want to roll over that money into the next purchase. That's when you've got to have that covered in the loan agreement.
1: So okay? the first conversation, not the, sec- the 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 later conversation is what you're saying. That it, it needs to we, we would call it an exit strategy. So you're talking about what 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 ifs, the what ifs, mm. what if you move into state and sell a sure. house, what if you upgrade um those sorts of exit strategies is is the next thing we're talking about here
2: that that's that's dead right because (laughs) as we know sometimes when you're a single person you know what your income is you can save hard etc etc then all of a sudden you discover what it's like to be in a in a relationship and you think oh great double income no kids then kids come and everything (laughs) changes Uh, so they're
1: expensive those things (laughs) yeah
2: yeah. oh
0: your partner's a spendthrift (laughs) well and you're a good saver
2: you know (laughs) stuff happens but Mm. But as I say, um, it's about clarity, keeping it simple always. It's very, very simple sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but one other thing is that the lenders really need to talk to their own financial advisors and planners because you mentioned before, our mum and dad possibly going to lose the house. Mm. Well, if they're borrowing to lend, then there's an even duplication of the risk. Mm. Some people are pulling it out of their super fund. If you're going to do that, then you really need to think through that carefully with a financial planner. Can you afford it? Mm. And maybe say, well, what if something went really, really wrong? The property market crashed, COVID hit, my son or daughter has lost their job, um, has a bad car accident but uninsured. All sorts of tragedies can happen. Can you afford to lose that money? Mm. Mm. Um, And really talk to, um, not that we would ever want that to be the case. But if you're operating on the basis that I'll always get paid back and I'm relying upon my kids to pay me back for my retirement, almost substituting a superannuation policy, you know, an asset held by my kids, Um, I, I think you really need quality financial advice about that. But for the buyer, it's all about, so what's my commitment? Will I be able to meet it? Because I don't want to muck up the relationship I have with mum and dad. Um, and also with siblings, because I think you mentioned before, um, there are some that we meet and they say, well, if I'm going to give $100,000 to child A, I need to give 100000 to child B yes. and 100000 to child C. And I'm going to do it all at the same time. And that's your lot, kids. And sometimes others aren't ready yet to uh, get that and so mm, forth. So mm. um, being in family law, we see a range of um, things where Our job is to help people juggle things so everybody stays happy, everybody stays connected, and if something goes wrong, we've anticipated it, okay, it's clear, this is what's going to happen. Okay, that's fine. And there isn't going to be a court case. I mean, can I say this? My mantra is good lawyers keep you out of court, Mm -hmm. which is quite the opposite to Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. good lawyers keep you out of court. Mm
0: -hmm. Yes, and, you know, it's like good buyers agents don't help you buy crap. (laughs) <laughs> and they you buy you they into. help
2: you buy what you can afford
0: <laughs> what is a very, good asset what you can true. afford you know understanding the market there's all of that sort of stuff i think this is so interesting because obviously there's a massive issue in this country of affordability and obviously we we're, we're peeling we're helping first home buyers here we're educating first home buyers so that they can avoid making really really common mistakes and obvious mistakes mm-hmm. to us um, but not necessarily to them because mm. you in the middle of it and you're in the excitement of tr- and the frenzy and also in a rising market the sort of panic of trying to get into that property market and there is a lot of this um looking around for ways in which you can accelerate your entry into the market and obviously the bank of mum and dad is one of those I think what I think is so interesting is I didn't think about the putting a mortgage on or having a mortgage. No. Um, mm you know, to represent, uh, to cover that loan. I don't know the right terminology here, but I, I've always thought about a, a co-ownership agreement or a sort of some sort of agreement that would be put in place and never actually thought of making it a legal document such mm. as a mortgage. So that's a really interesting yeah. point.
2: But, but that's an also an interesting option view. as well. Mm. And it may well be too that if mum and dad are going to borrow against their own property to lend this money, then the question could, could arise, well, if my if my son's putting in and I'm putting in half, why don't we just own the property 50-50? Mm. You then have capital gains tax issues, deductibility issues, et cetera, et cetera, because it's not your principal place of residence. It's his or hers, but, um, you know, you're an equal shareholder. That might be um, uh, the better arrangement because then, okay, you're servicing a loan, but you're getting capital growth um and the the child actually doesn't need to repay you anything you're both mm. co-owners as I think you, you said that's an option to consider um if it's a really large amount of money um and so
1: There's, there are some it, risks with that too because the the parents then are assessed on their uh so if they're a co-borrower on the mortgage um not putting cash in but actually a, a co-borrower using the equity then that may limit their ability to, to borrow further from the bank for other things uh, that they might want to do. So there's you of... Know, all lots of those of, things are taking into ...opens another can of worms, yeah.
2: I, I, I perfectly agree. I'm just saying there is a choice available there
1: mm.
2: and you'd only make that choice with proper financial advice and mm. legal advice because mm. mm. yep. there's risks of what if one party defaults? So if grandma and grandpa default, then the other child, the, the co-owner, loses the property because mm. it's got to mm-hmm. be sold. Not their fault. They haven't defaulted, but, yep, the other half-owner. Mm. So uh, those are the – there's risk in everything. If you, if you didn't have the risk, then you're not buying the property, <laughs> frankly. Very true. So, very true. So, but, but here's the next part. Um, another complication, more layers to this onion, is sometimes the kids are involved in the family business. Mm. Sometimes – there's an initial borrowing to buy the property. And then I'm setting up a business. I've got to set up a, a um, overdraft account on the house.'m um, the, the bank is saying they want security for the overdraft on the first mortgage, so you're in the second mortgage, et cetera, et cetera. You've got to be ready to be able to say that's okay or well how about I give you the money on the overdraft and top up the mortgage and you've got to then amend the loan agreement and treat it like a living document if those things happen. Because if you're lending money to a child who's going into business and if the young person's going into business, then maybe rather than being a business loan, and again, you turn into a creditor who stands in the queue with everybody else, you load that security with the mortgage because the mortgage can be the security for the loan. So one can be a home loan and another part can be a business loan and that business loan can go up and down.
0: Like an offset and if account. we design
2: mm. this right, then that can happen. And again, mortgage security—you're you're first in the queue when the house sells.
1: Mm. So
0: this okay. this is mm. fascinating mm. because, of course, two of the big, big, big—there's lots of so many risks in this. There's risks of all your your relationships falling apart outside mm. the your your birth family, but there's also. You know the the risk that you get it all in the wrong order from a tax structuring point of view, and exactly. you, you screw it up that way. Yep. There's there's risks that you get it out of order in terms of who's who's first in line to get their money back in the event that things go bad, um, and all of these things are where you you, you probably had no clue that it, that you could even get into these pickles. And it's all about getting the right advice from the right people but also the right team of people because, you know, what you're talking about is legal, you're talking about finance, but that's sort of accounting as well as financial planning. There's mm. two elements of finance mm. there. And obviously on, and the third element of finance is the borrowing part of the finance. So there's there's three prongs to that that one. You know? yes. um, and if you're not, if you're relying on one person to give you this advice with somebody who ne- doesn't necessarily have the big picture or a holistic view to say, and you need to bolt in this bit of advice, this bit of advice, this bit of advice, so we're all working together to get you in the right direction, then you run, you know, you run into danger as well, you know. If, if, um, and many, many times I've come across, you know, A, an accountant, for instance, great in tax planning, but really crap on all the other aspects. So you need to sort of have yes. someone that, <laughs> that gets sure. gets the other parts of the pie.
2: That, that's right. And it's very much a matter of everybody making sure they put boundaries on looking after themselves um, the parents have um, it's, it's about their retirement mm. um, They want to be generous They want to help But they don't want to all of a sudden Then be dependent on their children Because something's gone bust mm. Mm. Um, And in that other case I was telling you about I can tell you that the breakdown Of relationship between the brother And the sister Who's oh, watched her mum yeah. Go through this Has just been terrible oh. So it has knock-on effect And I do this work Because I care about People's relationships Even if there's a a sadness of a breakdown of a relationship, at least the parents can remain in contact and cooperate so that their children are raised and are loved by both and Mm. people don't lose touch with other families. You can imagine Mm. that in these circumstances, sometimes the relationship between the the husband and the wife aren't so bad, but grandma and grandpa have just been so badly burnt. Or if they've called in the loan leading to the home being Mm. sold, then the grandchildren are not you know, owned home because grandma and grandpa had to call in the debt.
0: Oh, so yeah, so you've so really got to mm.
2: you, you, you make sure you don't overextend and you get all the advice and it's all very clear mm. and everybody mm. keeps in touch. Um, it doesn't have to be negative. Mm. And if people want to take a risk and you say, well, if the risk goes bad, guys, this is what's going to happen. Yep, mm-hmm. you walk in with open eyes.
1: Oh, eyes That's wide fine.
2: Open. We're an, an entrepreneurial family. We'll back you. We'll give you a hand. But I'm not doing my retirement because you took a punt, <laughs> That's seriously what, what you do see. And and then, um, and this is where the prenuptial agreements come in and all these loan agreements are important, that sometimes it's it's um, the child who's working in the business and they've got an interest in the business and there's an associated web of family trusts, et cetera, et cetera. And so you have to treat this home loan as something separate to all of that. If it gets all mucked up and mixed in with, mm. so what's my interest in this family business? Because really it's mum and dad's. And I'm sort of in it, but I really don't understand how the accountant structured it because, you know, I'm not a, a major player in it. Mm. Um, you want to keep the home loan separate to all of that. You want to make it clear. Um, the business issues can often be very, very complicated. So um, we're used to it. Um, we're also used to... Um, untangling all that knot when all of a sudden a couple do have to break up and they say, all right, well, now what have we got to do? Um, I I took 18 months to um, do a very amicable settlement for a multimillionaire couple that had developed a brilliant business. They didn't want the business to fall apart, but they needed to disentangle themselves, and they wanted Mm. the good divorce. took Mm. us 18 months and cost a lot of money, but they did far better than they would have in court because we sat down amicably sat with the accountants sat with the tax advisors worked out what the best outcome was for both of them to go their separate ways and you can do it amicably Mm. it doesn't have to be an argument um because um it's sad when you see it all just go bang and
1: it it ends in
2: tears Yep. So, and, when money and certainly, is,
1: your advice about having the binding financial agreement prior to it going south is a way to get to that point without the 12, 18 months, two years work that you've had to put into to, yes. to make it an amicable. Um, sure.
2: Um, can I say that um, it's not absolutely essential to have a prenuptial agreement? It's a good idea, but it's not absolutely essential at the end of the day. Um, there's enough complicating factors with all of this to one step at a time. Mm. Um, obviously, if you're buying the place as a, a, as a single person, um, then uh, you, you've you got one person to deal with and then when the partner comes along, you make sure you're transparent about, well, this is the amount I borrowed from mum and dad and here's how it's secured and these are the repayments, et cetera, et cetera. And that person works in with, well, this is just the way it is. If you don't talk about it and you keep it secret, and it's not on title, et cetera, et cetera, and the other person's blindsided uh, later on. That's not a good way to be. Mm, mm. Okay? So it's not absolutely essential for a prenuptial agreement because often that's a really hard discussion. But there it is. <laughs> Here's the next kicker. What if both sides of the relationship get their parents to kick in? One puts in 50000 mm. the other puts in 50000 Here's 000. the next complication. So I've got a whole bunch of complications, which with <laughs> care, it, it's complicated. Um, but we can put it together so that it all works and everybody uh, is, uh, is covered. I, I
1: think that's the key, Barry, is, you know, we, when we put this course together, it was really on the basis that you don't know what you don't know. That's and right. And building a team of people who do know what you don't know is a really important part of making sure that you actually walk into things with your eyes wide open. And yes. what I'm hearing from you is you've seen all sorts of different versions of things that have gone well, things that have gone bad. So you've got this whole toolkit of scenarios that you can actually talk people through because they don't know what they don't know about the scenarios, what could go wrong, what might go well, what what are the risks. Um, You've got that massive toolkit that you can draw on and say, well, what if this
2: happens? There's probably a solution to just about every problem, Mm. but we just need to make sure it's covered. And then when we don't have a solution, everybody accepts, well, we can't solve that. So therefore we've got to keep this simple. Um, Mm. and and if you make it really complicated, that's when things can come unstuck. Um, It comes back to people's risk appetites.
1: Yes, yes.
2: Really, it does. Mm. If if mum and dad are wealthy and want the money back but can take the risk of if something goes really wrong, well, I'm not going to ask for it back, um, then, you know, that person's going to be a bit more relaxed. But there aren't too many people in that situation. No. And it's still... um, be pretty ugly for the family later on if if all this money's been lost, uh, sadly, and Mm. other creditors came in first. One of the things, too, um, is how you actually talk about these things. And some of of this is actually psychology, not law. Mm. Um, There's plenty of times when um, a a young person can say to mum and dad, I just need your help. And mum and dad, of course, are saying, of course, we're generous, we're kind, we'll always back you, we'll support you. But you need to love your parents and say, but we're going to do this right and we're going to do a loan agreement and you're going to have security for this. I'm never going to let you down and we're going to make sure it's the case. Because loving families do things on a handshake Mm, yeah, and they don't (laughs) keep records, okay, because some of these things happen 10, 15, 20 years later and people don't keep the records, okay? And that's sometimes the problem. Mm, so
0: you're loving mm, when, that's you say, and and when you say, let's
2: formalise this.
0: And when you say to your change.
2: partner, I want to do a prenuptial agreement because we've got to look after mum and dad and I want to make sure you're mm. fully aware of what this arrangement is
0: mm, Yeah,
2: and let's do this so that we don't have an argument later on. And I think you mentioned before, uh, Veronica, do it while you love each other. Don't is do it, it when you've got smoke coming out your ears <laughs> because something's happened.
0: It's all about transparency, isn't it? it it's and, exactly and, right. And I think what's interesting that you say there is really the responsibility is on the person asking for help to say, I'm going to do it right, as opposed to putting it on the responsibility on the people being generous and offering the help to go, but we want to do it, but we want, we want to tie this up legally. It's so much better if the person asking for help actually... Re- recognizes the need to do it right and mm. to get it set up and uh in the right way that does protect their parents um or grandparents whoever's ever actually lending them the money this has been such an interesting uh conversation and i think it's a really really really, really good important. one very timely for mm. our for our listeners a question for you and maybe you don't have an answer for this because we haven't prepped you, but um, is there one thing that you know now in your life that you wish you knew as a first home buyer?
2: It really is uh, not that I've ever overextended myself, but it's very much uh, knowing what what is the plan for the future and making sure that plan is flexible enough for things to happen. Mm whether it be a breakup, whether it be a business going bad, whether it's, I mean, I'm old enough to remember when interest rates went at 17%, guys. Mm, I was paying mm. 17%. Yes. I can't believe we're paying 2 and 3% now. <laughs> yes. mm. I know.
0: Sorry. I fixed my first loan. I fixed part of it at 9.85% and I thought I got a bargain. <laughs>
2: um, and so, um, and also probably that means, don't fall in love with the property so much that you burn everything just to have this. Mm. Be ready to say, you know what, now's the time to sell. Now's the time to settle up my debts and start again with a different property. And if you do everything properly, remember I talked before about, you know, are you going to have a provision for rollover? Maybe you won't put it in this agreement. But if you borrowed the money from mum and dad and you did well, made a profit on the house, sold it, and then gave the money back to them. Then they're probably going to turn around and say, What, well, you want a loan for the next one?
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: if you mucked it up, you're knocking the gun Good, to go.
1: Goodwill no, goes a long true. way.
2: So it's about being responsible, it's about being faithful, it's about honoring what people have done for you um, and wanting to be uh, the, the the person who's not the, the, the person who everybody thinks is a flake and just stuffed up mm. everything was all too loose and um because that's the hard part because we are living in an entrepreneurial world we're going to have people who are doing startups we're going to have mm. people changing jobs all the time mm. and I'm, I'm this is my third job guys I turned 60 this month i three jobs <laughs> I'm interviewing that's... people have had three jobs in a year
1: in, yes, um, the say, whole... that's usually the first first couple of months out of school isn't it yeah yeah,
2: yeah so so in the circumstances. Um, the world is changing, Um, people are changing careers and that's a great thing, Uh, people are moving much more Um, and so in the circumstances, um, that's probably the, the message I'd give is think about these things flexibly, don't fall in love and overextend yourself on a property and be ready to go, you know what, I can flip this property and do better or how about I just not be overextended for a while and live life I haven't travelled not- anywhere because I'm paying this damn mortgage. We need to COVID. travel. Now the COVID's over. <laughs>
0: yes. You
2: know? Um, it's, it's
0: all about not trapping yourself, isn't it? It's all exactly. about not boxing yourself in a corner. Yeah. But
2: here's mm-hmm. the next thing, and I'm sure you guys are talking about this with some people. You buy and never sell. And you're about to go to – and you, your next second property is the investment property, or maybe you'll use the first property as the investment property. Moving to the second, I've, I've met many clients who've built enormous – portfolios because they buy, they never sell. And really this start um, is the start to building a property portfolio. And I've met many clients that have done that very, very well and are quite young. And at 35, they own five properties, all with debt, all very manageable. Every time they get their portfolio to where it's no longer negatively geared, they buy the next property and everything funds itself. And the capital growth is the real key. I've seen that. And it's a very, very clever thing. But, of course, maybe that's the time when they say, right, now's the time to pay mum and dad back, not when, you know, um, when I sell this property because you may never sell it. <laughs> mm,
1: mm. And that all comes back to getting that uh, that overarching strategy right and and, and what and, are you doing this and for? Keeping and keeping an eye on it. Absolutely, mm, yes. And, and being flexible. It is, has been such a pleasure to have you on, Barry. Is Thank there you anything you want to finish off with?
2: No, no we're, we're, we're here to help and... Our experience gives us the chance to help people in all their different and varied ways. Every family is different. Mm, mm. Every, can you Keep it simple, but every family is different and every family will react differently to situations. And um, that's really what we're here for, is to be as flexible as we can to meet your needs and make well, sure you don't get in court.
1: Wonderful. So
0: what, we're, what Barry's offered to do is just um, give us a bit of a conversation starter. Um, some of the, the tips, things that need to be talked about uh, at the outset of any conversation around this. And, um, yeah, thanks for so much for your time, Barry.
1: In this episode, we've covered a very small part of our 10-step online course for 1st home buyers. If you would like to learn more about the process and how to buy without making a mistake, then head over to our website, www.homebuyeracademy.com.au. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so you won't miss an episode. And if you like what you've heard today, please give us an iTunes review. Five stars would be wonderful. It will help others find us as well. Thank you for joining us. We hope you found this really useful.
0: And if you have, please share the love with others who you know are in the same boat. We'll be back next week with some more priceless stuff.